0: This is Otano Public Health Chats with your host, Fiona. And today uh, I'm excited to host another Kenyan. I'm right, right? You're from Kenya. <laughs> I am yeah. from Kenya. Yes. Um, so we're back in East Africa again, and I'm excited to hear from someone with uh, a slightly different background from all the guests we've had to date so I think that will be uh, a very insightful addition to the show so I'll just let you introduce yourself Joy if you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do where you're based and maybe countries in Africa that you've supported and the kind of like a general who is Joy?
1: Yeah sure thanks Fiona and thanks for having me um yeah so I'm Joy uh I I currently work for the United States Agency for International Development. I am a health information systems advisor, a senior health information systems advisor with the Office of HIV and AIDS at USAID. And I... Essentially, you know, work on supporting efforts to use technology to improve to to improve data for decision making and and in the in the long run, um, health outcomes. So I have been in this field for uh, probably about fourteen or fifteen years at this point. Before joining USAID, I worked for John Snow Incorporated, JSI, and also um, ICF. In, in those roles, essentially working in digital health and, and the same kind of, of things. Um, I have supported many countries, um, all in sub-Saharan Africa, spent some time living in South Africa, where I was working directly um, in on programs there, as well as other programs on the continent. Um, but I am currently based in Washington, D.C., and I support, um, as part of my role, uh, Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, and South Africa, and then also as needed, um, other countries as they have as they have questions or support needs.
0: Wow, that's amazing! Thank you, thank you. Wow, um, fourteen years. Wow, yeah. that, I think you're a record now. <laughs> I think you are. We're on our eighth guest. Uh, you broke a record because I think the longest you have had so far is someone with eleven years worth of experience. So uh, maybe,
1: <laughs> maybe I'm just old. <laughs> no, it just
0: means you have so much more experience. <laughs> that's the PC term. <laughs> no, that's great. That's
1: sure. Great. Yes, let's go with
0: that. <laughs> we call it experience <laughs> in this podcast.
1: No, that's great. That's great to hear. Wow, you've
0: worked with so many countries and. Uh, okay, you mentioned it, uh, I feel like uh, a public health buzzword right That's like everybody's talking about digital health. So I think that's definitely something we want to unpack a little bit later in the episodes. You also mentioned data. So I, we've had one person, okay, two people at this point where we talked about data. But yeah, I would definitely want to hear. I'm excited. I'm also kind of, you know, in the world of data. So I'd be excited to hear a little bit about when we say digital health or data, what kind of data are we talking about? But before we get into all of that, um, maybe can you talk about how, is this what you've always wanted to do? For example, like when you were younger, like did you see yourself doing something like this? Or if not, how did you end up doing the kind of work that you're doing?
1: Great question. Um, no. (laughs) The short answer is no, I did not see myself doing anything (laughs) like this. Um, I think, you know, growing up in, 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 in Nairobi, I don't even think I knew that, that public health as a field existed or anything like that. I don't, I don't think I was aware that it was possible to go into, into the field. My original you know, dream or idea was that I would get a PhD in computer science, um, which is, you know, which is what I trained in. And then I would teach at the college level. So that was that was the original plan. I did not end up getting that PhD, I got a master's degree in computer science instead. And at the time, sort of came to this epiphany that I wanted to be doing work that felt impactful like not as multiple degrees of separation you know you can go work Mm -hmm. for an organization and like they have a foundation and like that money is like used to fund other things that make an impact eventually right Mm -hmm. but i i wanted to feel like i was closer to the impact if that if that makes sense so and as a you know um as a citizen of an a, a lower middle income country, I was very interested in global development and what that meant. And had really over over my college years had taken a lot of classes in political economy and you know, just just sort of as a side gig while I was getting my computer science degree. <laughs> and so yeah. while I was getting my masters. Yeah, I realized that I was really missing that side of things and that I really did want to do work that was more related to giving back to to the kinds of community that I had been raised in. So I very deliberately, after I graduated, started looking for work in global development. And I was originally looking for, for a position in education because that was something that has always been very dear to my heart. I grew up in a household where education is very important and, you know, really held up as, you know, the way to, to make something of yourself. And so I really wanted to work in education, but it was, it was really hard to, you know quite honestly get into get into that field and eventually you know through through a variety of (laughs) I don't don't know it's a very hard few months I won't lie to you right because not many people knew what to do with a master's in computer science right and also you you come in like when you have that kind of degree people feel that you are going to want a higher salary than what they can offer you as a starting Mm -hmm. starting salary in global development right um, so, you know, through a lot of, I guess, a few fortuitous incidents, I would say I ended up uh, being hired onto a project at JSI, which is a public health organization. So not education, but they, the, that project specifically was working on a website um, that brought together different pieces of data on um, shipments of contraceptives to, to LMICs from different donors and sort of put it all in one place so that you know you could look at it in one place instead of having to go look for the information in different places and anyway this project was sort of ramping up and they needed a business analyst um, on their team and so you know that that was the opportunity that ended up working out for me so that's how I started and then from there things just kind of evolved. (laughs) Well, I have still many follow up questions. I'm trying to think which is most important. I actually, and this was even
0: from the previous um podcast you shared. What I actually wanted to hear from you from the bat, even before we get into how you know your training then led to public health uh-huh. or development work, was the computer science part. <laughs> Can we talk about yeah. that? How,
1: <laughs> how was that? Like, I feel like.
0: I don't know, at least for me. I think now for me, I feel like my background is like epidemiology, public health in a bio background before. And now I uh-huh. am kind of like quote unquote in the world of data, right? Doing research, collecting data, analyzing it, and using that to make, you know, evidence based decision making or at least influencing. Mm-hmm. But like and then landing on data, right? And and thinking, why didn't we learn about this? Or what where was computer science, I guess? when I was mm-hmm. grad- graduating high school or college. So I, I'm just curious what what your experience has been, especially as an African woman, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you always enjoy computer science, for example? Who, like, did you have people support you in that decision? Yeah. What was it like uh, being in a math or a PhD or a master's program for computer science? And, like, what was all
1: of that like? <laughs> Yeah, oh my gosh, so many things I could say about this. Um, But, you know, I think I can start by saying that, you know, growing up, my dad was... My dad was a bit of a technophile, like he just liked new things. He liked gadgets. Oh, yes. So like, you know, growing up in, in you know, the 90s in Nairobi, like my mm-hmm. family was the only family that had a computer at home, right? It mm-hmm. was dial-up, but it was still a computer, right? So he, he was just that kind of person. And so when I was in high school during one of like my long, uh, you know, school breaks, he signed me up for a programming class. Um, and and i was like well i guess this is what i'm doing so you know i I can't remember how long it was probably no longer than three weeks or something um and it was like really based like you know it was programming back in the 90s right not not that exciting but i actually really liked it i really enjoyed it I, I like solving puzzles. I have realized later in life that what I like is I like solving puzzles. I like when things make sense. I like making things make sense, right? Mm-hmm. And so that feeling of I write a piece of code and then the, the computer does what I tell it to do, like that feeling was, it, it's kind of addictive. And I think if you talk to a, a new programmer, like that's really what takes them, makes them go back. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just that like, oh my gosh, like I made it work kind of thing. So I really enjoyed that class um, and that's sort of what opened up this idea of computer science to me. I didn't really know what it was, you know, but this, you know, that was sort of the thing that made me start thinking of it as maybe something that I can I can do. So when I came to the U.S. for college, um, I was lucky enough to go to a liberal arts college people have different ideas about you know what kind of schools are better or whatever but for me liberal arts really worked well because i was able to you know do the computer side of things but i could also explore other per- parts of my personality right so i was taking you know as i said i took a lot of political economy classes just cuz i was interested right or you know i was doing all yeah. kinds of other things while i was doing computer science and so i probably didn't notice the dominated nature of my the computer science program just because like that was such a small part of my started small part of my existence in college right mm-hmm. but I will say that I also had you know I think my, my my main story in most of my life I think is like I have been lucky to attract good mentors throughout my life Mm -hmm. and so you know while I was in the computer science program in college I had two really great professors who who were mentors to me and who really encouraged me and gave me opportunities for like internships and you know doing during summer vacation and that kind of thing and like opened the possibilities to me and so because of them actually they were the reason why I was like oh my gosh I want to do this for other people Mm -hmm. so I want to go teach um, in a college, preferably a small college, and be this kind of mentor to other students. And then then I went to grad school. <laughs> and I think grad school was the first time that I was doing all computer science all the time. I was, I was in a PhD program where you could get your master's on the way, right? But everybody who was accepted was accepted as a PhD um, uh, student. So I think that was really the first time that I became aware of, you know, how male dominated it was, how few minorities there were, or rather I should say African minorities. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then on top of that, you know, you know, being, you know, so I was a woman, so I was a minority and then I was, uh, you know, I was black, so I was Mm -hmm. even more of a minority. So like that intersection of being a black woman in, um, in that program, it really it was hard I can't lie to you um like I was I was good at it but it was just it was just hard there were there were a lot of other thing other um other factors to it but I ended up just being pretty miserable actually so after a couple of years in the program or a year and a half in the program I just realized that this wasn't for me for multiple reasons. The main one really being that once once I took away all the other sides of like my personality and I was focused on all computer science all the time, I realized that actually this wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't feeding my soul to, to, right. to be... <laughs> You know, and so I decided it was a very hard decision. It was actually kind of a crisis for me because, you know, it felt like failure, right? But I I decided to just uh, pursue the master's and stop. At masters right and not not go on to the PhD and that was a hard it was really hard and required a lot of conversations and a lot of tears (laughs) (laughs) um but even you know even in that space I had a good mentor my 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 um PhD advisor was amazing and great and encouraging and you know everything I could ask for in an advisor I just didn't want to be doing this so that's So that, you know, that was, that was my experience, I think, you know, I felt like I spent a lot of time having to prove myself um, as a black woman, and like every time I succeeded, people were surprised. And it took me a while to realize that that was the dynamic. And yeah, I just generally wasn't very happy. So, you know, I, that, that was something that I was happy to leave behind for sure.
0: Right. No, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, no, I really, I really appreciate, but on well, a personal level, I really appreciate hearing that as well, because I'm definitely looking into grad programs for PhD. And yeah. yeah, I'm always curious to like hear about other people's experiences, especially like people from like similar backgrounds as well, because yeah. I think you need to factor that in. But it's what I'm hearing also from your story is, and maybe you've just done a lot of also reflecting to get to this space, but you've, mm-hmm. you, Even in your journey, when you had your preset goal, right, of I want to teach computer science and mentor young people, right, in their journeys, I think you were also, it sounds like you were very clear on what parts were you, like, how can I put it, like, the parts about your desired desired pathway and career goal at every point, you knew why you were doing it, and what was motivating you to be at that point, right, whether it's seeing your your college professors and I think that also probably helped you it sounds like when you then made your decision to reroute right to say I stop at the master's and let me go do what was interesting me when I was doing my bachelor's around you know this development piece right
1: yeah yeah you know yes it's it's weird to like talk about something in the past because hindsight is 2020 right (laughs) But you know, I I I do think that to some extent, like you know, I I knew I was miserable and I knew I had to do something about mm-hmm. about being about why I was miserable. And when you know, when I decided to stop with the masters, I started looking you know for jobs. And at first, I actually started looking for like your typical like masters in computer science jobs, right? Like mm-hmm. applied to a bunch of consulting firms, applied to Microsoft, like blah 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 and it was it was as part of that those conversations those interviews that i kind of was like i mean but is this really what i this want to do do right? i want to code yeah. like i you know like 40 hours a week is this is this really where i want to go but i didn't know i didn't know anything else right you have a message yeah. in computer science there's like there's like you, a, a you know a set does. of logical yeah. exactly <laughs> there's a set of logical um uh, uh positions and like i you know i can't remember at what point or how mm-hmm. i got to the idea that maybe i want to look at stuff in in global development um okay. i actually have no idea but i you know I, but i you know i i don't want to make it sound like i was like i'm going to stop with masters and i'm going to go work in development because that 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 right. was not that, wasn't that it. It. it wasn't that okay. simple you,
0: you kind not of just found innovation. found your way, <laughs> okay <laughs> exactly. right it wasn't like step by step I think we have this in another episode where we're talking about like our career like our career steps like I don't know like I'm a very like logical like person like that like for me one plus one is equal to two and like if there's a point back gonna be like everything but typically doesn't happen like that right you kind of like you're saying you kind of figure it out as you go or you remember this interest and that interest or you network or like you also mentioned you have mentors who you have conversations with and that all kind of like molds you and and, and yes. until you get to the place where you either say, okay, is this working? Is this not? Keep going, reroute, retry, until you kind of land to that spot. And at least that's what I'm hearing from your story so far. And that's really yes. that's really helpful to hear. I think it's Yeah, like, no. I think was like, okay, maybe I'll reroute in a couple of years. And yeah. It's still okay.
1: It's still okay. Um Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so you, okay, so you started with the computer science, and then you, like you say, got to the master's, got the master's, which is pretty amazing, by the way. I know you, you did mention that, like, it felt like a failure at the time, but I'm still thinking, wow, <laughs> <The> master's is <laughs> just like, oh yeah. my God. <laughs> I, I, as far as, like, for me, it's like data and R is as far as I go. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So yeah. Like, yes, this is amazing, and I think, Uh, Definitely uh, somewhere where we can all learn from, but I also then wanted to, I think it's also very, I think with one other guest, similar to you, who started in development, actually, Mm -hmm. because I think of like, I don't know how accurate this is, but I do think public health sits under development, because I think when, Mm -hmm. you know, country's health is better, then that aids the country's development and growth. So I think 8%. a lot of people do start, some people go the opposite. There are people who work in public health who do end up, you know, as their careers progress in more development type roles. And also similar yeah. to what you mentioned, like the overlap with health and education. Like you, you you initially, like you said, you grew up, you know, valuing and enjoying education and wanted to see mm-hmm. that work that you did. So d- definitely a lot of like field crossovers. I think the reason I'm highlighting this is that I think in conversations with people, I've hosted Twitter spaces before where we're just talking about like what is the field of public health and who gets to work in it I think it's it's helpful for people to realize where these fields kind of intersect or overlap so that if you're maybe if you're in education or you're in development or you have like you're saying a data background um, where can I fit in or or is there space for me in this field so that's really good to know that you actually went into the job search I guess after your master's looking more development wise and then landed on a and a role in a nonprofit for public health, which is pretty cool. So then yeah. you there, you're building a website mm-hmm. for contraceptives, which is mm-hmm. like, I'm also really passionate about sexual and reproductive health for women. So I think that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Talking about that, maybe let's talk about, feel free to pick from whichever part of your experiences you feel most like comfortable sharing. But mm-hmm. so maybe tell mm-hmm. us now with your training and your background, it sounds like you did some work, at least just from what I, like, JSI is a global NGO as well, right? So, like, yep, yep. you did some work in the non-profit space before going for what I think of as, like, a bilateral, like, aid organization, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Yep. So, you're working in partner organization. What does that look like with your training? Like, what, Uh, without getting too technical, what does <laughs> your... Look like when you say I work or I do digital health work or in the digital health yeah. space, or I use data, you say you use data to make you know database decisions, what does that look yeah. like um a typical day, typical week, typical month, yeah
1: yeah, okay, so I, I don't use data, I work to make data available right like uh-huh. so so that others can use it uh-huh. so and that's an that feels like an important distinction to me <laughs> because i'm not the one making i'm not the one making the decision but i'm trying to facilitate the decision making by uh by making data um more easily accessible through the use mm-hmm. of technology so that people have it so that they can make the decisions. Um so what that has typically looked like for me, I mean I think it can it can really range, but I have often um described my position um at least when I was on the nonprofit side, when I was uh, working for the NGOs, that um as sort of like an interpreter, right? Mm-hmm. Um I was sort of the use of technology and digital for public health or even for development as a whole like is is something that I would say I have was not very common when I first when I first uh, joined the field so this is dating myself but I already told you I have 14 years of experience so I guess it's okay um and like and and has really evolved and grown over the time that I, you know, that that I have been working in this. And so, like, at first it was just really exciting, the idea of, like, mobile health and using phones to, like, reach people. Yeah, yeah. And then it was like, oh, and maybe now, right? Maybe now that we can reach them, maybe we can have them use their phones to report stuff to us kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that has, like, really evolved until now we're at the point where we're trying to think about digital systems as central tenets and part of the infrastructure of the public health system. Um. So what I do is uh, really goes from, you know, from the point of trying to help people think through what it is that they want, right? Like, what are your needs so that we can figure out how technology can help you, right? Like, mm-hmm. is your need to, to reach people with behavior change messaging or is your need to um to be able to 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 get supply chain data from the facilities um you know at the at at the lowest level up to the central level so that you can decide on on you know stock decisions and and Mm -hmm. resupply decisions and that kind of thing right so that's that's sort of what i would call the more business analysis type of side of things where it's It's, it's, it's working with people to figure out exactly what it is that they're looking for and try, helping to design something that, that helps to meet those needs. And then, you know, then it can range, you know, to the other end, which I would, I would consider more the project management side of things and which, you know, I think as, as my career, as my career progressed is, is sort of where I progressed, where it's Mm -hmm. less about necessarily doing that systems design. and and testing and that kind of thing but more about Mm -hmm. managing the entire process right and like um, interfacing with 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 the software vendors and keeping timelines and making sure things are working and stakeholder engagement making sure Mm -hmm. everybody's you know like people are bought in and people are you know are um, on board with what's with what's happening and are fully informed and that kind of thing so somebody else is doing the design and the, and, oh, the so and the development right. um, yeah, exactly, and my role was really more just managing and making you know trying to like keep all the ducks in a row and keep things going, um, so a lot of it is stuff that a lot of people in public health do anyway, like the stakeholder engagement part of things the you know just keeping you know with any with any work like you need to have someone keeping track of timelines and (laughs) and making sure things are moving forward etc but you know with that with that um additional uh aspect of understanding the technology and being able to think about it from from that from that infrastructure like that you know what is the health information system and where does this plug into like the larger the larger goals for the public health system For for this for this country, wow!
0: Interesting, as you were just describing this, I was like, oh, the problem solving you were talking about—you're doing it. Yes, yes, it is exactly, and that's why
1: I love it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) problem solving, even though it's not necessarily a good day to day, is no longer like the lines of code to do something. Yes, it's still there is a problem. There is maybe like you were saying, maybe a supply need, right, or need to understand what supply is looking like for a country, for a region mm-hmm. or something, and then you're trying to solve it using digital technology and data, mm-hmm. and data systems to kind of solve it and answer those questions. Um, that part I understand. That that's I can it. follow. That's <laughs> exactly
1: right. Yes, that's, that's exactly like, right. You've done a great job of, <laughs> of summarizing. Like, okay, what do,
0: because even in our organization where I work, we also just recently have now a it's separate like digital health team. Like I feel like we started out 10 years ago, like it looked like, you know, your typical, any like NGO nonprofit, you had your HIV AIDS, you had your maternity, you had your, you know, TB, whatever, like by disease area, by program area and kind of like has evolved. But I do see a trend in the field in general to have digital health stand on its own and really think broadly because it cuts across right these kind of like examples you're giving would be the same whatever country whatever context right and they would need solving so digital health is definitely something that uh I have a brother who works in like data and tech so it's interesting how our fields are now like (laughs) intersecting I do see it in that way so that's very exciting because I think this is specific to development and public health but I think our world is also moving that way right I think it's kind of like the field yeah. catching up with the world um
1: that's and exactly trying, right
0: right oh
1: man who that's would have exactly thought
0: right. yeah and, yeah and also your comment about how like when we started out like t- technology was kind of like this new and I'm thinking even like the first time we had like as a 90s kid as well like I'm also aging myself here but like thinking like when the first time you had a mobile phone right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's within our lifetime right and then moving from like well now everybody has it and now it's a smartphone and now we can do so many more other things with these same mobile phones and like you're saying now we're even talking about self-testing with for COVID right or even like yep. during the pandemic, when people, I think Facebook was doing the same thing. A lot of these uh, social media platforms or different platforms where we were self-tracking symptoms, reporting it, and hopefully that gets aggregated to like national or subnational systems, and it's all mm-hmm. in the palm of your hand. <laughs> yeah, and- exactly. Twenty years ago, <laughs> yeah. and that's that's pretty amazing that you get be oh. part of like, I guess the solution. For, like that merging because i think it's very important
1: yeah it's been a lot of fun and, and just just to add to that i know you are about to move on to another question but just <laughs> like you know just thinking about the fact that even like countries are are now trying to be more deliberate about how they deploy technology in their public health systems right like before, it used to be every, every NGO who had a good idea would just come in and be like, we're going to use cell phones for these community health workers to report, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, that poor community health worker would have, like, five phones and they would need to report, like, you know, to, to five different phones and that yeah, kind of thing. And now, you know, yeah, and now, like, you know, ministries of health are, like, taking a step back and saying, no, we need to have, like, a plan, right? Like, what is our architecture for the public health information systems so that that community health worker only has to use one device and that device gets, you know, that information gets to all the people that needed to be able to make to make their decisions. So it's becoming way more systematic and okay. um, and structured, which is which is a great thing. And I get to be part of those conversations. Like, how do you govern this? How do you how do you like think about this systematically? And that's a lot of fun. I guess we're different because <laughs> I'm like that's not. <laughs> I'm like not... I'm like it's so fun. <laughs> it is fun. The, the
0: problem solving part of it is absolutely fun. What I'm thinking. Of, yeah. Not fun is the stakeholder engagement, which I do enjoy doing, by the way. But actually, this was going to be one of my follow up questions I'd forgotten, but you brought it back up. Was so what's that like? Especially now, I think you're the a good person to answer this, given like how far you've progressed in your career and kind of so, like you mentioned, you start out with the technical pieces and now you're using that knowledge, right, to inform project management, to inform like you're saying, answering these like big questions of like, how do we build these systems? How do we actually think this through? And I I always like asking this question on like funding and just mm-hmm. general, especially on the continent, because I, I think at least that this is where the podcast is mostly focused on, but like, what's mm-hmm. the, not attitudes, what's the temperature like? Like how are, how are we feeling about this idea of how countries generally speaking, in Africa, feeling about this idea of like data being central to how we think of public health systems, of how all of these things, like you say, the community health worker having five phones versus one, is there an appetite for it? What, if there is or isn't, what are the factors influencing that? What's what's the journey been like to get to these kinds of conversations?
1: Yeah, I, I mean. I think there's definitely an appetite for it. I think okay. there is a um, widespread acknowledgement that with better data you get to make better decisions. I think where we tend to see a little bit of you know for lack of a better word, a breakdown is is the the reconciling that that comes with a cost, right? Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of countries are used to having as part of their budget all the paper forms that are needed for reporting right like nobody's Mm -hmm. gonna question the fact that every facility needs you know a register a a client register or you know a a product register or whatever right like Mm -hmm. nobody is nobody is standing there pushing back and saying no that's expensive we don't need that because we you know that is something that is entrenched in the public health system i think data systems are still kind of newfangled quote-unquote So Mm -hmm. while people understand the need for better data, and there's definitely, I wouldn't even say an appetite, I would say a hunger, right, for Mm -hmm. better data, faster to be able to make decisions, there is a bit of a disconnect about what it takes Mm -hmm. to implement a good data system and to maintain it. And, you know, there's a lot of resistance to finding the budget, especially for the maintenance side of things, because the implementation side of things tends to be covered by a donor, right? But then, you know, in the long run, if you're going to have this system, like, actually run for multiple years, systems are living things, they require maintenance, they, you know, just think about how often you get an update for your phone, right, like the software update or whatever, like, all of that is necessary, yeah, to... Be able to keep that system running so that, you know, it, it, it stays up to date with the latest technology so that it doesn't get viruses so that, you know, so that it responds to the latest needs. Because the other thing is that as people use systems, they find more and more like needs or ways that they could use it, use the system better. Right. And you need to be able to adapt to that. And any system that doesn't do that eventually falls by the wayside. It becomes obsolete. Mm. Um, and I think that that idea and that understanding of, like, we need to continue to budget, like, or even budgeting for ser- simple things like servers. Like, where is yeah, this thing going to be hosted? Critical. Who's going to yeah. pay for that, right? <laughs> like, those kinds of things, that's where, that's where things kind of start to get a little bit uh, um, tricky. Like who's responsible for the long term maintenance of this thing? Who's responsible for you know for continuing to pay for the staff and, and and that kind of thing? So that's 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 an issue that we wrestle with a lot. Um, and I can't say we've come up with a with a solution just yet. Yeah, no, you're right about that. No, I
0: I definitely okay. That's good to hear that there's a hunger for it. I like that. And that there's. I think you're right that there is an understanding that data is a key piece of you know, how we do public health, how we do development work, how we do anything really in 2022. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. like you're saying, where the work is, it sounds like, is the like, how do we implement, how do we start and how do we keep going in a way that like, you know, efficient and especially I think in the African context, right? We don't have that many resources. So how do we do this in the most cost-effective or efficient way, I guess? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And what are we not paying for? in order to pay for this like you know those are the hard Ooh. decisions and the hard conversations right like yeah oh man yeah no I I had a glimpse of this when
0: I was doing health workforce planning which again I feel like it's across the like it's not a disease area and it was like for health like if you think of health workforce for one country a lot mm-hmm. of the issues were coming up across at least if you ask me, the answer for me led to each country just needs to have this central system and way of tracking from when a health worker, Mm -hmm. you know, graduates high school and signs up to be a nurse, to be a doctor, to be a community health worker, to when they graduate, when they're retained, when they're promoted, when they're deployed to different districts and province, to when they go on maternity leave, right? It needs Mm -hmm. one system. And you so that's the reason why I had servers in mind because there's a country we worked with But they had the server and it had worked Mm. because it was funded for two, three years by some bilateral organization. And then it stopped because the funding stopped. And then you resort back to paper. And then that's where you have retention losses. And you don't know where all these nurses that graduated this year ended up because we don't know how to track them. And that means all those health posts go without nurses.
1: Uh, so yep. data is very important. So see, you under, yep, you understand what I do. <laughs> how? So I can't imagine now doing that
0: at an even because at least that was healthy health workforce, right? Which I mean is a big part of um, public health. But thinking about this even broader is like, for example, like you're saying, working with ministries of health, but At a national mm. level, I can imagine how expensive. Serious, <laughs> and to be to be to be having those to be a decision maker from whichever side of the table, right? Making those, like you said, what are we not paying to pay for this? I think that's a big, big question. And like, and it's not for today only, right? It's for the next five, 10, 15 years, and it's probably going to keep growing. Is a big thing. But yeah, I think you then answered like, what are the challenges (laughs) that you come across in the field? But you're right, it is exciting to kind of I, I would love to be a fly on that wall.
1: <laughs> it was a conversation, yeah I mean, it's it's fascinating. And there's always new things, like, you know, you know when you start talking about collecting people's data, like people's health data and you start asking questions about privacy and security mm. and like where are things stored? and some yeah. some countries mm-hmm. have have um policies that, you know, their citizen data cannot be stored on the cloud. It must be stored, you know, in that country, but then that country does not necessarily have the infrastructure for, you know, for, um, large scale servers and that kind of thing. And so there there are, there's so many nuances and so many aspects to it. And, and it's tricky, it's hard, but I, you know, I think my, my general, um, approach is to listen, to try to listen first as much as Mm -hmm. possible. I think people, people know what they want and know what they need. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you need to give them a chance to 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 talk about it and and yeah. and and figure things out but yeah there's a lot there's a there's a lot of tricky and knotty issues that are that come with with digital health and information systems especially in public health because there's a lot of sensitive, sensitive health information here. yeah the information
0: sensitive. it's not yeah it's different it's not like i don't know the types of toothpaste that exist out there yeah <laughs> <It's> sensitive <laughs> but yeah i yeah, i yeah, yeah, i completely understand but <laughs> This must be, I guess, kind of like following up to what you just explained or described. I guess I'm thinking this must feel so fulfilling for you. But let me not assume and ask what are the things you love most about the work that you do?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you're right. It does feel fulfilling. I I, I enjoy my job. I like my job. I think, you know... I oh that's a, such a hard question to answer. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, first of all, I <laughs> I enjoy bringing people along on the technology journey. Um okay. I I enjoy when people who were unsure or maybe a little bit intimidated um mm-hmm. by the idea of technology like feel empowered in their in in their use of technology and in their like and what and in being able to ask for what they want out of out of technology. I of course as as you know as as a Kenyan living in the US, I enjoy the fact that this is this this work allows me to uh continuously interact with people from the continent. Right. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. And yeah, and I, I like, you know, back to the point of like wanting to feel like the work I do has an impact. It this this feels impactful to me. It feels okay. like, you know, someone who's not into digital health may not really necessarily like it's very hard to point to a specific system and say like this thing like improved health outcomes, you know, because there's so mm-hmm. many other there's so many other things that come that that come with it. But like I feel like I feel strongly that, you know, giving people the information they need at the time they need it. And good quality information, right? Because that's the other piece of the information of 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 the work. And it's not just about the data, but it's also the quality of the data and how using digital systems improves the quality of the data that is being used to make decisions. Like that feels really impactful to me. So, yeah, absolutely, I like yeah. my job. <laughs> I mean, we
0: all want to, you know, be there, guys. If you want to work in public health, yeah, you can have it. People enjoy their job in public health. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's amazing and absolutely for me at least one. And I think in this example, this has been a recurring theme in our season so far. Is COVID is a good example of that. I think at least for me, I think being in public health and deciding to take this career has always been hard. Which is what I've always asked people: What do you tell your family you do for a living? Because it's always been hard for me to tell. Explain. Oh my
1: god! Yeah, I I I can't explain it.
0: But COVID, I think, was the one time where we all in real time were forced to kind of see all the things that make Mm. public health because it was like a global pandemic and was affecting Mm. everybody. And I think for me, currently living in in Rwanda and even just in the work that I was doing and tracking even at home because family was there and Zim. I think in in Rwanda here we would get daily updates, I think. Yeah, it was daily at some point. And um, the Ministry of Health would publish, right? Today, this right. number of people were tested. This number of people tested positive, And um certain number of people are critical. certain number of people passed away. And then as the pandemic evolved, right, even then started adding number of people vaccinated. First dose, second dose. Yeah. Third dose. I think is doing an yeah. amazing job with that. And as a data person as well, like, it felt like okay now I can explain to people one mm-hmm. what I do for a living mm-hmm. and two it was it really is a good example yeah. of the impact you're talking about because that that is able to exist because we have systems right that are able to track oh, and and bring it together, and quickly so. and yes. quickly right because then people will be like wait are these really yes. today or is it two days ago is it three days ago how do you ensure that the moment someone tests positive. That that piece of information gets to where it needs to be, so that people can really get a sense of like, oh, okay, we have x number of people who have COVID right now. How do we stop it from spreading? So
1: yeah, digital right. health, man, digital health, digital
0: health <laughs> was at the uh, core uh, uh, of the COVID uh, pandemic. Especially yeah. when, you know, you're met with deniers, right? You're met with people who are like, this is not a thing. Nobody's getting this. Yeah. Nobody's dying from yeah. this or whatever. I think for me, that was my resource to point and say, no, look at this graph. Look at these numbers. Um, especially from, like, ministries of health, from, you know, sources of information that people would trust. Uh, so that's, yeah, absolutely. is very impactful. At least uh, you have people like me who appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah i think we've been having too much fun joy but we need to (laughs) start slowing down i think before we start talking about like your word to the wise i know your like background isn't like traditional in the sense that you didn't like i don't know you didn't train as a doctor or nurse or like you know a primarily Mm -hmm. public health training but i do think you've worked in public health long enough so i really Mm -hmm. would be curious to hear given your experience to date and your background, and like you say, the kind of questions you are helping answer and inform in your work, how you would either A, define public health or B, what public health or working in public health, like, what does that mean to you when you say, you know, I work in public health or I use my background in the field of public health? What do you, what does that mean to you?
1: (laughs) It's a deep question. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you sort of alluded to this earlier when you were talking about how, like, you know, the intersection between health and education, right. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's something that I came to terms with over time, um, which was that, yes, I was really passionate about education, but if people are not well enough to go to school, then like they miss the education. Right. So, you know, for me, public health actually like underpins, you know, much of development, Right. Mm-hmm. People cannot be productive individuals if they're not well. And so public health, um, it, you know, is about making sure that or, or, or building resilient health systems mm-hmm. so that people are well, so that they can be productive. I think it has huge impacts on on development, um, yeah. economic development and that kind of thing. Right. And so, and that's why I I am um, so glad to be working in this field because I feel like you know there are many factors that lead to economic development that kind of thing. But like I don't think it can be denied that health is one of them. Right. Well, health is, one um, of health. and you know, and is a definitely a pillar and and is is an underpinning for just general people's well being. I don't know if that answers your question.
0: It does. It does. I love it. I love this version. I also think that, oh my God, this is so layered. I should do a qualitative paper on my podcast. I have decided. (laughs) There's so many themes that I keep unlocking. Whenever I ask people this question, like it's like, I don't know, it's a gift that keeps on giving. Because today with you, I'm realizing that as people kind of like Progress and work more, and depending at which quote unquote, like level you're working, I think that how you think of
1: healthcare mm. or public
0: health is different. You brought in a health systems so of. I think the other person with yeah. like, yeah. one other person who brought in this as well. But as a you work more at the macro level at this point in your career, yes. you like you mentioned. So you do you do tend to think of it more as like the system as a whole and how it designed. Yeah. In order to go back to the individuals, like you're saying, the economic development, and you know, make sure that we have basically a population, like you said, that are able to function, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, so same yeah, thing fine. is it's like, yeah, my friend was right. Uh, <laughs> we had a guest here, who said it's <laughs> an elephant, and depending on where you touch it, right, you describe it that way. Ah, yeah, that's a very good
1: point. Yes, I would agree. With and that and that you're, yeah, weird. and it's no, you and it's. Very spot on. Like, there is no
0: wrong answer, at least to date. I can't think of, yeah, there is no wrong answer. And mm-hmm. each one kind of adds to the story or to the definition of like what is public health. So, mm-hmm. no, you're absolutely right. And before we move on to like our last set of questions, I just wanted to also highlight to you, I just wanted to run parallels with what you said at the beginning when you talked about your decision, like why you wanted to go into education academia I think you said you wanted to mm-hmm. be like your professors who were mentoring you in undergrad because they were really good at like teaching you and like guiding you and all of that you used the say language joy then as you did when you were describing how you then work with stakeholders to walk you say technology journey <laughs> oh interesting (laughs) so you're doing it that's what i just wanted to highlight please like you're doing what you wanted to do thank you (laughs) which i think is super cool i think it's super cool to think of our careers as like i think i tend to sometimes at least especially earlier on my career, like five six seven years ago i was so Mm. focused on like a role and organization to be working at and that if I was doing that I would absolutely be doing what I felt was my purpose at the time right but Mm. it can look different and still be exactly what you want (laughs) which I think is pretty cool (laughs) yeah absolutely Um,
1: absolutely
0: yeah you're still doing the health
1: and the education I think so (laughs) in my books (laughs) Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. I do. <laughs> I can't imagine you, know,
0: especially when you also mentioned the like working as an interpreter. Like I think I've heard that a lot for people in data roles. I think we had another guest who was an M and E uh, specialist, and she was saying the same thing, right? That half of her work tends to be taking this language, explaining it to people who only understand in this language, <laughs> because we're all trying to do the same job, right? that's teaching i think (laughs) in my world um so given all of this given all of this how you define public health how you've got into the work you're doing now last two questions i think we'll consolidate into two questions advice to a younger version of yourself and you feel free to like Mm -hmm. if you want to answer this all in once i think a lot of people tend to Uh, also it might be different for you because you have a tech background but like what are your top you know, top three skills or top three things that you feel like, you know, are really important or helpful in the field or in your career in general, and what would be the Mm -hmm. advice to a younger version of yourself, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. I would say, you know, add, add advice to a younger version of me, um I think we we kind of touched on this earlier but I I would say being open, right? Like my mm-hmm. career has not progressed on anything I, that I would call a typical path, right? Like mm-hmm. it it has been a um a series of happy accidents and opportunities that I have you know, been in the right place at the right time and had the right skill set, et cetera, to be able to take advantage of. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that we are taught, um, especially, you know, on the African continent, that we are taught that being open is a good thing. I think we mm-hmm. are, you know, as you said, like it's very much like you do this, then you do this, like step by step, like, mm-hmm. you know, you become a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it was you know, I being open, I think is key. Because I Yeah, I just I just don't see how, like, if you look at my life and my journey, like, like, there's no predictable way to say that I would end up doing this work. Right. Added to that, I would I would also say definitely collect mentors. Mm -hmm, (laughs) I think, you know, a huge part of my career journey has been having people that I can talk to who listen to me who hear me who see me see my skill set see me clearly as a person and or, and who I can look at as examples and look to as role models right so that, that those would be the you know the biggest two pieces of advice i would give people is like you know i just be open don't don't i really hate that question in interviews where they're like where do you see yourself in 5 years like i don't know i have literally never <laughs> been able to tell you where i'll be in 5 years to 2 years ago i was living in south africa you know what i mean like and mm. 2 years before that i had no idea that i'd be living in south africa i didn't i found out i was moving to south africa 6 months before i moved to south africa so like you yeah, know yeah, it's yeah. like you don't know you just don't know um and so don't hold yourself to like this idea that like you have to have a plan and you have to stick to the plan at all at all costs mm. i'm not saying be willy-nilly and like you know <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> but i am saying you know be open. um and, and and you know but also, you know, have people in your life that you can talk to and that you, you know, who um, that you can look to as role models. And then in terms of biggest skills, like, you know, it's interesting because, yes, I have a tech background and mm-hmm. yes, it has been very helpful to me in my career. There's no doubt about it. But I would say like at this point in my career, and I think what has gotten me, what has allowed the person with a tech background to progress in the field of public health has really been you know in a large part my people's field right Mm -hmm. I feel like I you know I I alluded to this a little bit about listening first I feel I, I I try to hear people and hear what what it is that they're looking for and and respond to the need right rather yeah. than coming in with my ideas about what needs to happen right and I think people respond really well to that people respond to a person who um who is who is listening to them right. <laughs> um oh, and simple. yes so profound uh, and and, <laughs> and all right Especially in our field I mean let's yeah, be honest absolutely. like there tends to be a lot of top-down mm-hmm. you know the, the way that the work is done tends to be very top down and so I think like that that ability to listen to people and yes we all have constraints that we're working within but at least trying to 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 work with people to, to meet their needs I think is very important um and you know so so that's like the very much a stakeholder engagement piece right like, how do you bring people along with you if you're not listening to them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you have to listen mm-hmm. to them. So, that is, you know, I think a very important skill. And then, honestly, like, I'm a bit of a, you know, a uh, detail oriented organized um mm-hmm. nagger like you know I call myself the chief nag right like I like what do I do most of the time I'm just nagging <laughs> like, you just for everything. <laughs> I do feel like that in my role sometimes <laughs> like, right? no. like, I feel like that has been a really important skill because people know that if things want if they want things to get done then mm-hmm. like I'm you know I'm someone that they can rely on to get things done, mm. right? Um, and I'm not just going to let things go because it got hard or because, you know, whatever. Like, you know, so I feel like organization and detail, being detail-oriented is also really helpful. Um, I think that actually a skill is being able to know what you're good at and what you're not good at, right? Mm. And, like, that is something that I have, I have learned over time I will very honestly tell you, I am not the big picture strategy person. Don't come to me for that. I am the doer. (laughs) If you want stuff done, come to me. But I think being able to articulate that has actually been very helpful in my career because, Mm. you know, I'm able to tell people straight up what I, what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And so I'm not going to disappoint you. Right. Right. (laughs) Like, and like, how do we create an effective team? We find the person who's good at the thing that I'm not good at. And then the two of us or the three of us or whatever can work together to like, you know, make things happen. Um, so those I would say would probably be my three, my three wow. biggest skills.
0: That's so important. So be, you said, you said be open and have mentors. And then you said on um, yes. the skills, you said people skills in general, and then you say uh, listening and yes uh being detail oriented and organized okay yes
1: and then and then knowing what you're good at and what you're And not then good being at and be able to
0: articulate um, that or, yeah, yes strengths are and
1: leaning into them yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. okay all right i can do that <laughs> <laughs> okay. that's not easy <laughs> no but this is a wealth of
0: information and it's really it's really interesting like I, as i said earlier like seeing different people and different Fields within public health, and depending on where they're at in their careers, what they highlight is key skills or key mm-hmm. things to think mm-hmm. about moving forward. So, no, this is all very good stuff. Yeah, no, thank you for for the like for just sharing and um, sharing your whole journey as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. One last thing is, do you have anything that you would be interested in like sharing or plugging? I don't know if there are any organizations that you like would want people to follow or a good resource for I don't know starting on a career in tech or anything like that that you feel like would be worth highlighting if you can't think of any right now that's fine you can always share with me and then we will put on the episode notes
1: okay yeah let's do that because <laughs> I can't think of anything thought, right? the that you want <laughs> to
0: flag right to young people <laughs> in Africa like absolutely yes right yeah definitely yeah I can always follow up with you on that um yeah but I think this is it um I think I have so many follow-up questions but I think this is a good start and thank you so much Joy for the for taking the time and sharing your story with us
1: my pleasure thank you for having me and and um, yeah, I'm happy to answer any of your follow-up questions. Uh, should any of them be burning? <laughs> no, <that's, laughs> but yeah, thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, thank you. This has been
0: Utano Health Chats with your host Fiona, and today we had Joy Kamunyori from Kenya. <laughs>